Welcome, this is Dr. Todd Watson, and uh, we have another interview here on our ArborPod interview series. And uh, I'm here with Dr. Ed Gilman. Uh, he's a professor of environmental horticulture at the University of Florida, and uh, he's one of those people that seems to do it all at the university teaching, research, and extension, and uh, the contribution that he's made to uh, boriculture and ISA. Uh, and horticulture as well has just been tremendous. So I'm sure it's a name that everyone's familiar with. And welcome. Thanks for taking time out of a busy schedule to be with us. Well, thank you, Dr. Watson. Todd? And the title of our um, interview series, or our interview for this time, is Effects of Root Pruning and Planting Depth on Tree Health, Root Form, and Stability. So let me ask you, what are the advantages and disadvantages of root pruning during planting? Well, that's a great question. You know, we're spending a lot of time trying to figure that out right now. And most of it centers around two issues. One being the circling and diving roots that form when roots hit the side of a container wall. And in certain parts of the country, like California, deserts out west, the whole southern part of the U.S. and the eastern coast, much of the field produced stock starts out in, in pots, in containers. And so if the field grower is not aware of that as being a potential problem and doesn't do root pruning and planting, then even though the end consumer is purchasing a B&B or a field grown plant, there still could be some root issues close to the trunk. And then the other issue is when a grower then takes the container and bumps it to larger and larger sizes in a container nursery, and you end up with a defect, either circling or what we call diving roots, at each container size. Um, so the way we've gone around these issues now is encouraging, through our research effort and our extension efforts, to manage or prune those roots every time the tree is moved from one pot size to the next. So, um, you know, in arborist, we kind of get what we're stuck with uh, and, de and dealing with that. Uh, but what can be done during nursery production to help improve transplant success in the field for the arborist? Yeah, good question. I think one of the better, I think one of the goals is to present to the landscape soil uh, a greater number of roots along the vertical face of the root ball and not have them concentrated in the lower half. I think that's the worst scenario to have them mostly in the bottom half and so many of the root balls that we get from containers and field certain areas of the country have a lot of roots in the lower half of the root ball and we all know as arborists that 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, most of the roots end up at the top and so that what we end up with is, I think, in many cases, an S-shaped root system close to the trunk, where those lower roots struggle and then eventually get to the surface of the soil and, and proliferate. So I think back in the nursery production phase, if we prune roots as we bump them from one container size to the next, we end up with a root system that has more roots closer to the surface. So we shift some of those roots from the bottom of the container to the top so that eventually when we plant them in the landscape, I believe these are going to be, now it's, it's early in our research process, but I believe that these will root out better into the landscape 
and make for a shorter establishment period, I think. That's yeah. great. Just dealing with the circling roots, so that just seems to be a major problem uh, as you go through yeah. nursery production and circling roots within root balls. It's difficult for arbors to deal with. Yeah, yeah, that's frustrating. I mean, it's the, the hardest part is to go back and try to fix it. It's, it's easy to deal with the roots on the outside edge of the container because you can simply cut those off. We shave out, or I'm sorry, we shave off the outer inch and a half or so of the root ball when we plant them into the landscape. But that doesn't take care of any of the smaller container defects that might be interior. And what can be done if the defects aren't that bad is a mild excavation with either water or air on top of the root ball uh, at planting or in the years, early years following, and to cut with a hand pruning saw some of these circling or diving roots. But I think it's pretty important to cut those so that you the root segment that you're leaving is oriented straight out from the trunk. And I think that's why slicing the root balls doesn't work very well, is because it does not remove the actual kink or bend in the root system. So just a little bit of attention to detail there, especially at the top of the root ball, to retain a radial segment uh, root so the new roots then grow out away from the trunk, I think is pretty important. And arbors can can do that, but it's very it's time consuming. It's taken up to 12 minutes, for example, for us to take off the surface roots down to the root flare on red maples planted from pots. That's a lot of time to ask arbors to deal with. Yeah, it is. Um, what about planting depth? How does that affect trees? Wow, big question there, Mr. Todd. <laughs> that, that one's open-ended, so you yeah. can... Well, a couple of issues at least. Certainly in, in the nurseries is issue number one. And an interesting point that we've just learned in the last couple of years is certain trees like cathedral oak, live oak, will, if planted deep in containers as rooted cuttings, which is where, how cathedral oak is, is propagated, will actually generate new roots along the buried portion of the stem. So will red maple. So will uh, Chinese elm. Okay, but once that tree reaches about thumb size and diameter and you plant that size tree into a, another container too deep, then the tree has lost the capacity to generate new roots. And that's when you, along the stem, and that's when you get roots deflecting from the pot, then growing back over the flare, around the trunk, and you start the girdling process. And the root defects are very, very difficult to deal with. So, so that's issue number one, right? Okay. In, into, yes. into into the into containers, and planting deep into the field, yeah, there's kind of two parts to that. One, I think we, as arborists, often think the grower has planted the plant too deep in the field, or has pushed soil up against the trunk. But what Dr. Watson's research has clearly shown now is that that what appears to be buried portion of the stem is actually a four to six inch long root shank. So it's part of the root system that results from cutting off the taproot in the propagation phase of the plant. And then that taproot generates new roots just from the cut. So that four to six inch buried portion of the stem, what we have thought of as the stem up to this point is really root. But I think with container production, 
And uh, we're working with that. We're trying to get roots growing up all along the shaft of the root of the taproot, if you will, so we get some roots at the surface so that the roots aren't all down four to six inches. I think that's going to help uh, the root system to look and appear more normal like you'd see in the forest with roots right at the surface. And that, again, should present roots in the landscape situation where we want them, which is close to the surface because that's where most of our trees and urban areas are planted, very compacted sites. That's where the roots end up, and I think it would be better to have those there at planting. But to kind of sum up the nursery part of it, deep planting appears to be worse, much best, much worse issue in containers than in, in the field because the roots bounce off the container and grow over the flare. Very difficult to correct that. It's easier to correct that at planting when you're planting from a, from a bold and burlap field-grown plant. So that's kind of the nursery side. And, and the, the landscape side is similar but you don't have the walls of the container to deal with. But I, I believe there's no research on this, but from the, the work I did back in the late 70s during my PhD work or mid-70s where I saw roots bounce off compacted soil on the side of the planting holes and either grow around as if the plant was in a pot or grow back toward the trunk over the flare. And so that's an issue on some sites. The, as, uh, as big of an issue is the soil that ends up over the root ball. Acts like a sponge, <clears throat> excuse me. And that sponge that's over the root ball, or that soil in my analogy, that's over the root ball, acts like a sponge and grabs that water and doesn't give it up to the actual root system, which is below. So you can actually cause drought stress on a plant by planting it too deep. And then at other sites that are high water table, you've pl you're planting deep, and those can die of too much water or lack of oxygen. So planting deep can either stress plants from too much water in a poorly drained site or not enough water in a better drained site because that soil over the root ball intercepts uh, the water. And then another part of planting deep has to do with mulch and where that's placed. And there's no question that I think most of us agree that mulch is good for plants. But we've got some data that indicates that if the mulch is placed in too heavy of a layer over the actual root ball, that it can intercept water just like as if it was soil over the root ball. It intercepts the water. It retains about a quarter of an inch of, of rain or irrigation. And once again, it does not allow the root system to actually get, get that water. So. Under certain instances, that can cause plant death. Yeah, um, and it's amazing to me sometimes how complex tree planting is. You think it's digging a hole and, and putting in a tree, and, and I have to confess I've killed many trees in my day, because uh, when I was in school, um, you know, we were taught to put gravel underneath the root ball and plant <laughs> right. them deep and, and those kind of things, yeah. and now we see... The things, even like the mulch, which can be controversial, and, and your research, and Dr. Mike Arnold and Anita Bryant oh, yeah. at Texas A&M saw similar things. So, uh, so obviously, arborists have a lot of stuff on their side of the street that they need to clean up, you know, as far as learning how to do a better job planting trees. But I see a lot of, we get frustrated with, with what we get from the nursery sometimes. I know right. 
I'm from Texas, and I know most people think it's perfect where I am, but uh, but it's, we we see a lot of these problems. I, yeah, I know you've about got Florida cleaned up. How can an arborist, you know, in a in a productive way, uh, encourage nurseries to maybe produce stock that's going to perform better in the landscape when we start planting them, assuming we're doing our job? That that's a great question. I, I the approach that we've taken in Florida is to make sure the arborist talk to the nurseryman and the nurseryman talk to the arborist and to understand each other's issues. So we've been able to uh, bring those two groups together in Florida for the last 10 or 15 years or so. And we've, for example, uh, we have had as, as the Florida chapter president, we've had a full-time grower. We have on our board of directors a grower position that's been there probably six or eight years or so. So we have an intimate connection between the two professions. I think that's the place to start. You know, everything else pretty much falls into place with a dedicated effort on, on both sides of the equation. Uh, but forming this partnership where you learn together through research and extension and demonstration and simply conversation is um, the way we've been able to affect change, definitely for the positive. Uh, we've got a ways to go. I mean, we right now have a great set of tree tops from the ground up and we've made tremendous strides in 15 years in the industry and I don't think our nursery stock is second to anybody in the US from the ground up. The next five to ten years is going to focus on the root system and we've already started and we think that roots that are straight without defects are, is the way to go so the arborists I think are beginning to understand that the growers are responding to it, and it, but it all starts with an understanding and a friendship and an understanding of each other, each other's profession, I think. Sure. So. Well, and I guess you've got to be prepared to dedicate a lot of time to it. I know you spend a lot of time, I think, on the Florida grades and standards, and you're on the ANC, working with ANC C60.1, at least for those, those in the audience that are in the U.S., uh, dealing, I guess, with this on, on many fronts, but in, in a collaborative type. Yeah, well, what I see happening, when we put together in the 1950s, far before I was there, there was some legislation in Florida that established the Florida Grades and Standards for Nursery Stock. And that document was revised in 1998 through about a nine-year process. Finally, it was published in 98. And then California wrote their specifications soon after that, sort of modeled after Florida's, but quite, quite a different approach. And then uh, so the northern Illinois growers since then have started a program and have published their document. And then just several days ago, I was handed the Pennsylvania effort, which is modeled after California. So this, if that goes through, uh, and many of those professionals, architects, arborists, growers, landscape installation, landscape maintenance organizations are part of this Pennsylvania effort. If that goes, this will be the fourth state that has specifications or standards for nursery stock and it focuses on things that the ANSI nursery stock standard which is the national standard doesn't and it gets more to the meat and the heart of the matter and gets more to a specification which is where I think we need to be because it gives enough detail for the buyer and seller to actually judge what they're buying whereas the national standard is not designed to do that. Sure and I guess in other countries too you know Organizations might be different, government might be different, but the process to getting this done is still the same, right? The, the soils are different, trees are different, but uh, uh, you know the 
we're still talking about the same thing. Yep, we're talking about roots that are straight, tops that have a single leader, for shade trees anyway, and everything else falls into place after those two things are dealt with. You know, planting depth I'll throw in there as well, but if we can get planting depth right, straight roots, enough roots to transplant the tree and let it survive, and then a decent structure in the top of the tree, and that's what all these four standards that uh, well, the three that are already published and the one that seems to be coming in Pennsylvania, that's what they all focus on, is good roots and good tops. And much of that knowledge, I think, has come from arboriculture, quite honestly, has come from the, the understanding and the watching. And we're all involved in that, all the arborists, obviously not only educators and, and researchers, but quite honestly, mostly arborists that are out there doing this every day. And they see things every day that are communicated back to the growers through researchers and through uh, educators and, and that's what really gets the ball rolling I think but it, it's come from arboriculture I think the the um, I guess you call it uh, demand economics where you're you're kind of demanding a product of a certain quality and then the growers will grow to it that's okay. that's what's happening that's great well there's it's obviously more complex than it seems and there's a, a Sounds like a mountain of research and maybe a mountain more that needs to be done uh, on this particular topic. Where could an arborist go to become better educated on uh, this topic about uh, root pruning and planting depth uh, to grow healthy trees with good form and stability? Yeah, great, great question. I, I guess the, uh, to start with the scientific literature, most of that would be in a journal they probably don't get called Journal of Environmental Horticulture, where a lot of that is published. Uh, I think some of us as researchers need, however, to start putting that in more into the Journal of Arboriculture and Urban Forestry type publications to get the, the end users a little bit more knowledgeable about what's going on in the nursery industry. But uh, websites that uh, that have a lot of that information. I've got a lot of it on my website where we have pretty much up to about today have up-to-date information with illustrations and photographs and if you care to read the papers they're there too uh, but illustrating a lot of these techniques are on my website. Yeah not only that uh, I'm gonna make a plug for your website because uh -oh. I use it a lot because uh, you've got pruning and and uh, uh, the planting and PowerPoints and design right. and every time I go there there's something new so uh, and for folks that want to find it you just go to Google type in Ed Gilman with one L it's the first thing that pops up you're right there I don't even have to save it in my bookmarks it's just easier to do that there you go. Uh, a ton of information not only for the in-depth research that you can get but practical there's pictures it, it's easy to understand there's tools there to help you explain it to your client uh, it's really outstanding so well, that's probably the best thing that's in in, uh, on the web right now and then very soon the next uh, week or two we'll be adding a new document which is to uh, it's written for the state of California but it'd be applicable for the whole country anyone growing plants in containers it's about a 30 page best management practice guide written by myself and a colleague in California a grower on how to produce good roots and good tops in container nurseries so that is that contains many of the techniques that I'm trying to describe here uh, with my voice. You know, it's very difficult to do that and really show what I mean. But that's a good place to get it all in one 
document. It's been highly edited, got lots of color pictures and illustrations. So that's that should be available in the next couple of weeks. So make the perfect Christmas gift for your local nursery. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it would. But it's you know we we continue to learn. There's there is so much more to learn about, but because there's many ways to grow a quality tree is what uh, I guess that's how to sum it up and we or anyone else does do not have all the answers and there's there's 10 or 20 different ways to probably grow a good quality tree root system in particular that's great well thank you very much for uh for your time and for uh bringing us up to speed here on planting trees it's my pleasure and uh this is todd watson uh again happy to be your host for another uh, arbor pod interview and uh, please uh, join us again for another exciting, informative, and probably riveting interview on the ArborPod interview series. Mm -hmm.